This is the Mountain Vision Podcast, where we share our obsession with hunting in the outdoors and talk waterfowl and big game hunting. Whether we're waterfowl hunting in the Sacramento Valley with the Sutter Buttes as our backdrop, or deer hunting in the Sierras, one thing is for certain, our vision of the mountains is a hard one to shake. Listen along as I interview outdoorsmen that have inspired me, and you might find inspiration from them as well. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Mountain Vision Podcast. This is episode number six. Uh, This episode is just going to be me, myself, and I just talking about some duck hunting-related stuff. Um, I know we're kind of... Just this past weekend, we got draw results and stuff for big game um, in California, so that's kind of the main thing on most of our minds, I think, right now. I didn't didn't draw anything. I'm just going to be hunting hunting D-Zone, and I'll have an AO tag also, and... Um, I think I'll probably try a little bit harder for a bear this year. Um, But anyways, kind of one of the reasons I want to do that, just get this um, duck hunting episode out of the way, is I've been getting a lot of people asking questions about retrievers and um, just some, sounds like some new guys getting into duck hunting and stuff and just brought up a, um, or made me think about a couple things and I just wanted to kind of go over that and then, you know, probably from here on out until, until, deer season we'll probably be doing mostly deer hunting episodes and stuff but um so kind of weird timing for this one but yeah i just kind of wanted to go over some just some thing this is this is just a really basic episode um it's not probably geared for you know the real experienced duck hunter it's probably more for the newer newer duck hunters getting into it or maybe some guys thinking about uh training their training a new lab or something um and I just kind of wanted to go over some things that I do to get ready for the season. Um, nothing, you know, like, again, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, you know, think of myself as being an expert by any means. This is just kind of things that I do, um, things that I've learned over the, over the years. But um, I'm thinking may, it, maybe it'll help some, some newer hunters um, that are getting into duck hunting um, be a little bit more prepared when the season gets here because I – I see guys with like new dogs um, out in the field every year, trying to train their dogs out in the field when they're hunting, and um, you know, especially at the beginning of the season, it's just a little bit of a cluster. And I was just kind of hoping maybe it might inspire some guys to um, maybe do a little bit more preparing and training in the off season to get ready before the season gets here. Um, you know, and that that goes from you know training dogs to practicing your calling to getting your decoys ready and getting your gear all set up and 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 all that but um and and a lot of it is you know guys bring their you know their puppies out or their their new dogs out um to duck hunt before they've put enough work and enough effort into training them and um and it ends up kind of ruining other people's hunts around them like you know especially here in California, like at refuges and stuff, there's, they get pretty busy or even at clubs or whatever. I mean, it's, people are kind of packed in tight. So it's kind of all sort of a lot of it's based on just kind of being respectful to other hunters around you and and doing some of this preparation before the season gets here. So um, that's kind of what a lot of this is based off of. And um, so starting off with retrievers, um, if you're new into retrieving or, or training your dog, to retrieve um I, i've only trained one dog so again this is not you know i'm not an expert by any means but 
I, I did learn that, you know, the, the sooner the better as far as training, especially for house training and behavioral training. Start off with that. Um, dogs are pack animals and you need to be the leader of the pack. You got you to gotta, you put your foot down and you need to be the boss. You cannot let your dog, um, you know, tell, you know, tell you what's what's up you gotta you gotta put your foot down you gotta handle that dog and and be the pack leader teaching your dog to to heal using the right leashes using the right collars stuff like that is is very important when you get your dog going uh in 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 the early stages of training so um what we always use was the, the pinch style collars they they don't hurt if you actually take that pinch collar and put it around your arm and yank on it. It doesn't hurt. It just kind of lets you know, like it's, it's like a you know, hey, stop doing that, or hey, do this, or it's just kind of like a sudden movement of the collar. It actually doesn't hurt at all. It doesn't. It doesn't actually pinch the dog. It doesn't choke the dog. Um, I, I was always kind of taught by uh, that you know the choke collars can can do damage because you know dogs just pull. Um, they'll just they'll just pull on that and they'll actually choke. Th- you know themselves and, and block off their airway and everything else. So um, I was taught to not use those, but I, I mean I know a lot of people that do. Um, again, if there's if there's any other if there's any guys listening that um, are experienced in anything I talk about on this episode, please feel free to reach out on Instagram and correct me or or, or teach me. You know, and I'll, and I'll try to address it on future episodes. But you know, like I said, I'm not an expert at, by any means. I'm just going over what I know. So. Um, so healing is huge. Healing is very important. Um, with my dog, that was one of the biggest things, you know, we just, and, and, and all, all of this dog training stuff is year round. It's every day. It's daily. It's not a, oh, hey, uh, once a month thing. It's, that won't work at all. You have to stay on top of it. It's a huge commitment to have a dog, especially one that you're going to use in the field. Um, know that before you get a dog, um, I've been, you know, I've been thinking about getting another dog, and I'm, I'm honestly not ready for it. <laughs> I just know how much work it takes, and it's, it's a ton of work. And when I'm ready, I'll, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it right. And that's what I'm going to, that's, that's what I'm going to try to do, anyways. But uh, yeah, healing is huge. So um, teaching your dog to heal, you know, because my dog was actually very good at healing. I mean, I could, it would be off leash, and I could tell it to heal, and it would, it would run over to me and get right behind me and or right next to me I I should say um you know with my legs kind of lined up with its shoulders and it would just be right there by my side um you know with with no leash so and it's it's good in the field you always want to keep your dog safe so you know when you're out in the field and you need it to be by your side you you, all you should be have to do is say heel and it should come to you or if you train it with a with the with the collar a shot collar um i did use a shot collar in my dog i actually really didn't have to use the shock um option on the collar it had an it had a vibration mode so um i just taught it off of that and then you know if it didn't listen i would i would give it a shock and it, it it's like my dog knew it was there and and knowing that that shock was you know that the collar was capable of shocking her she she was smart enough to pick up on the fact that you know when that thing vibrates she better she better listen um you know and then whenever your dog 
does what she's supposed to do or he's supposed to do. Um, praise your dog. You know, give it a lot of praise. Pet it. You know, um, I was I was taught not to really use treats too much, um, but just give your dog a lot of praise and make it feel you know make it feel proud. Your dog wants to please you. That's what dogs do, man. They're they're super loyal. Um, all they want to do is make you happy, and that's that's what any good dog will do. So you give your dog praise, and it's going to be the best thing. Uh, for the dog. I mean, that's, that's what dogs live for is to make you happy. So, um, a lot of owning a dog and using a dog in the field and training a dog is a lot of it comes down to keeping your dog safe. Um, and with that comes, you know, when you, when you, when you, when you take a dog duck hunting, you need to have, if you're, if you're at a refuge or if you're any, if you're standing in water, I mean, you got to have a dog stand. You got to keep your dog out of the water so it doesn't get hypothermia and and freeze to death and uh, drown or whatever. You got to keep that. You got you got to get a dog stand. Um, so keep that in mind. Um, you know, there's been times when I've gone out and the water's deeper than you think, and you need to have an adjustable adjustable stand. They make all kinds of them now. Um, the one I have is super heavy. It's an old school, like an Avery brand one. They make much lighter weight net ones now. But um, another thing is a ramp. Um, I got in the habit of using a ramp for my dog to get in and out of my truck. Um, you all, you want to just do that from the beginning. Keep keep your dog from jumping in and out of your truck. It's horrible for their hips and their joints. Um, regardless, I mean, my dog was so hardcore that she she just she was a workhorse, man. She was full bore all the time. Um, she tore her ACL. Um, actually, uh, Steve Evans, I did an episode with him. I think episode number three, his dog had a, he told me, uh, had ACL surgery as well. So it's, it's very common. It's like $4,000 to get your dog's leg fixed. So, I mean, it's, it's just, it's good practice to keep your dog safe. Use it, use a ramp, get in the habit of letting your dog use the ramp every single time it gets in and out of the truck or lift it, but it's kind of hard on your back. Let's see. Oh, back to the hypothermia thing. Um, if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna be taking your dog hunting in that in the middle of winter, it's gonna be cold, and uh, you should invest in a vest. Uh, you know, they make all kinds. Of, if you're hunting in the snow or something, you can get a white. You know, a white vest, or you know, I, I just got a you know a Thule camo pattern vest for my dog or whatever a neoprene but it, it just it, it protects them um same with like running through fields and stuff it protect them from getting cut by barbed wire and stuff like that um uh another thing is introducing your your dog to the gunshot i've, I've seen this time and time again um some of my some of my good buddies have have done it and you know, you, you you train your dog and you train it to retrieve, and it has has the you know the desire to retrieve, but you haven't um, introduced it to gunshots the right way. And um, if if you don't, you're you're gonna be for not always, but a lot of times, if you if you don't introduce your dog to the gunshot and you take it out there and just and just start blasting away at ducks, it's gonna it's gonna ruin the dog forever. And you probably won't be able to snap it out of that fear. 
Um, and that's the last thing you want. Um, so what I did was, you know, and again, this is just, well, I had two labs. One of them was a duck dog. The other one wasn't, didn't have the, didn't have the desire to retrieve. So I, I, he was, he just became a good house dog, but I introduced them both to gun shots, um, by having the dogs with, with a friend, um, I don't remember the, what the distance was, but maybe 100 yards or 200 yards or something out away from me, um, dogs on the leash, and then I would shoot a 22, and then they would come a little closer, shoot it again. They would come a little closer, shoot again, and just kind of gradually bring them closer to the gun, and then from there go up to the shotgun, take them back out to you know a couple hundred yards, shoot, shoot a 12-gauge, bring them closer, shoot it again, bring them closer, and just gradually, you know, bring them closer to that gunshot. And then eventually they're standing, sitting right next to you while you're shooting, and they're used to the sound, and it's it's not a shock to them. And uh, it, that way you don't ruin them, because you'll, you'll ruin the dog if you don't do that um, the majority of the time. So let's see what else we got here. Um, don't feed your dog duck I, I hear people doing that and and you, the last thing you want to do is feed your dog the bird that it, you're that it's going to be retrieving to you because there's you know if, if you if you're if you're out hunting and your dog's retrieving ducks and just starts chewing on the ducks because it thinks it's a meal that's not that's not a good deal and it ruins the hunt for everybody and your, your dog will just be ruined it won't be it won't be able to retrieve anymore I've seen guys out there, um, uh, I've gone hunting with guys, and their dog is literally chewing on the birds, and it won't leave them alone, and they keep having to, like, bat bat the dog away from the birds, and it's just a constant battle the entire hunt, and it just ruins, it ruins the fun, and, and uh, you just gotta, you, you gotta stay on top of stuff like that right off the bat, and, and just... I don't, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't know what the solution is to keep them from doing that. My dog never did that. Um, but if your dog ever does do that, figure it out and do some research and nip it in the butt. Don't take your dog back out again until you figure it out because I think that will ruin, ruin your dog if you let it, if you, if it doesn't have a soft mouth and it starts chewing on the birds out there. Um, and then um, again, kind of going back to the you know being respectful of hunter, respectful of hunters around you is you you want to do all this training up front so that when you're out in the field you're not yelling at your dog and you know screaming at it. There's there's nothing worse than being out duck hunting and and uh, you know the guy in the next blind over or whatever is just yelling at his dog or your or your buddy. It might be someone you're hunting with is yelling at their dog. It's it's just so uncomfortable. Um, you don't want to be that guy if you if you don't have to. I mean, my dog was never it was never perfect. She wasn't she didn't know hand signals and stuff like that. You know, I could have I could have gone a little bit further with my training, but um, but she was pretty good. I didn't really have to yell at her and stuff. Like, I mean, there, you know, there's always moments. You know, in a in a dog's you know ten plus year hunting career, they're going to get yelled at every at every once in a while, but. Try to keep that stuff to a minimum and just keep the experience for everybody else and yourself and the dog. You know, keep it a fun experience. That's that's why we're out there. Um, I think that's pretty much it for retrievers. Um, 
but you know, don't get a retriever until you're ready. It's a ton of work. Um, it's a huge commitment. They can be family dogs and hunting dogs. I see people, um, a lot of people I know, they you know they keep them outside in the kennel and they're hunting dogs only, and and that's that's fine. I mean, that's kind of what they're bred for and stuff like that. But my dog was a family dog and hung out with in, inside. Um, with the family and played with the kids but you know obviously there's there's strict rules in our house there's no being on the couch nothing like that um and, and a lot of that is just keeping keeping yourself as the dominant um pack leader to that animal you always got to make sure you keep the dog in its place and it, it seems kind of like you're being a dick but you're not um dogs need that structure and that's the only way you're going to get a dog that's going to listen to you um and be trainable so um let's move on to move on to decoys um i have a lot of upgrading to do with my decoys but um kind of getting ready for the season i mean just just clean off your decoys there's a lot of times there's mud and stuff caked all over them make sure your weights and your keels and stuff are or your not your keels but your your weights and your cords and stuff are in good shape um I wish I would have made the list of the different brands that I like to use, but the weights that I like to use are those Texas style rigs that um, the the strings are are like a really hard. I mean, they're like a smooth material, but they're I think they're metal. Um, I'm drawing a blank on what they're called, but um, that style they're a little they're a little pricey, but those things are those things are money. They they're on a carabiner. Um, you know, I, I just run around at the end of the day, hook them all to the carabiner, drag them back to my sled, throw, throw them in the in the bag, and throw the whole bag in my sled, and I'm out. And it's pretty quick, and it's just it keeps everything kind of nice and neat, um, and they last forever, man. Those things are awesome. Um, if you get the cheap stuff, you're gonna change out your cords all the time, and your weights and stuff like that are gonna wear. Everything is gonna wear out. So, you know, spend a little bit of money on that stuff. Um, if if you're gonna if you well use a jerk cord if you're not using a jerk cord get one it's they're awesome for you need you need movement movement is the number one thing in my opinion for for a spread for your you know your decoy spread um, so you know like in the early season here in California um, spinning wing decoys aren't aren't legal to use until December so um, then that early part of the season especially on days that it's not windy i mean you got to get movement in that spread if you don't have movement it's just not happening so <laughs> yeah get a jerk cord um the one i have i've had for i don't know since i started duck hunting i guess i've had to change out the uh i've had to change out the, the bungee on it a couple times that stuff gets brittle so just double check your stuff make sure that's not brittle last season i didn't change it out before i went and i think the first time out it I tugged on it a few times and it broke and then I had to fix it and then I tugged on it a few more times and it broke again I had to fix it again and before you knew it I had no bungee on the end and it wasn't it wasn't working so um, um, so just double check that stuff at the beginning of the, the season uh, make sure your batteries and stuff for your mojos and, and all your uh, you know spinning wing decoys and stuff like that are all in good shape um, those things last a while. I haven't really had any issues. I think I've only changed out batteries a couple times. Um, 
you know, and I don't hunt as much as some people do. You know, I, I'm a weekend warrior, so. But my, you know, those those things last a while. Um, yeah, they have all these. There's all these new. They, they're coming out with new stuff every year, man. It's crazy. Every time I look in a catalog, it's uh, I'm kind of shocked on stuff that people are inventing. But they have all these quiver decoys that make ripples in the water, and there's a Higdon pulsator feeder decoy that, you know, bounces up and down and kind of it's it's just a feeder butt um, decoy, and they make you know they make them in all different makes and models of ducks or whatever, but. Uh, it looks like a duck feeding, and it kind of it rocks back and forth and makes bubbles and makes it look like, you know, it, it creates a ton of movement. Those things are, are nice. Um, check your regulations on spinning wing decoys. Um, um, I know there's, I don't know what they are exactly, but I, I know there's um, some discrepancy or, or the way it's written, you know, spinning Spinning wing, I think, is the way it's written, and you can use other other uh, motorized motion decoys. Don't quote me on any of that. Just double-check the regulations. Um, I like to use shells. I have a bunch of mallard shells that I use, um, and they go on stakes, and they, they uh, these stakes have springs on them or whatever, and they, these, these shells, in the, in the wind, they move around, and, and that's mainly for, you know, if you're going to be hunting on kind of an island with you know shallow cover or like a bare spot you can kind of put a few of those they're just super light they're hella easy to to stack together and throw in your bag and bring them out with you and sometimes i use them and sometimes i end up at a spot where i can't use them and i just tuck them under some toolies and you know put a little camo you know uh, decoy bag over them or something just to kind of um, hide them but it's nice to have when, when when you need them they work out great um, that's pretty much it for decoys. There's, like I said, there's tons of them out there. There's so many, you know, there, there's crazy stuff out. I, I don't, I try not to get too carried away with that. I mean, um, I don't even, I can't think of what they're all called off the top of my head, but there's ones that fly around in circles and, but I mean, more movement, the better, to be honest with you. If you can get some movement, that's kind of what I'm learning over the years is just motion is key. I say that, but you know, I shouldn't say more movement the better. You don't want your every single decoy moving. It's going to be unrealistic. But you you definitely need a lot of motion. Um, anyways, moving on to um, waders. Um, if you're new in into duck hunting, if you're in the Sacramento Valley and the weather is uh, you know here in the Sacramento Valley in my experience is um, get breathable waders um, because it, some days it's super hot man and it's like you know with, with breathables for me I, I, I sort of compare it to 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 deer hunting in a way um, because with breathable waders and like a lightweight rain jacket that's actually waterproof you can you can layer under that stuff and, and stay warm but there's days when it's super hot and you're going to you're going to be thankful that you have breathable waders and not a pair of thick neoprene waders and you know sweating your butt off especially if you're going out to refuges and you're you know you're racing out to these spots you need to you need to have breathable waders and 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 be kind of lightweight and breathable and comfortable you know it sucks when you run out there and you're sweating and then you know you set all your stuff up and then you 
sit for an hour or 45 minutes waiting for shoot time and and you start freezing and you're all wet you know and then it might start raining and it's it can be miserable so just you know get breathables um i think i think with all gear um including including waders i think we're going to start seeing a lot better quality of gear coming out with waders and stuff like that i mean sitka's already doing it i think drake um, came out with a really good set of waders. I haven't used them, so don't quote me on that. I, I've always just kind of used the Cabela's waders uh, for the past, I don't know, whatever, eight years. But, um, and I think the warranty on their Cabela's waders has gotten a little bit worse, if I remember correctly. But, um, yeah, so if you can afford Sitka, do it, but <laughs> I can't. So, um, anyways, jackets. If you're getting into duck hunting, don't just um, believe the fact that the jacket is waterproof because the tag says waterproof. Because, man, I can't tell you how many pairs of jackets I've gotten that say waterproof and they're just not. It's like a just a complete lie. So get Kuyu or Sitka or one of these, you know, a good brand there's other companies that are making better. Like I said, all this gear is getting better these days now. So some of the stuff I'm talking about is kind of old old news. But um, I use a Kuyu waterproof jacket. Um, their new Kuyu's new Velo pattern I think is going to be sweet for duck hunting. Uh, I think that that the tones in that pattern are going to blend well with the toolies and stuff. In my opinion, um, and I haven't really heard anybody talk about that yet. But that's that's. I'm kind of excited to to get that pattern for for deer hunting and for for duck hunting. Um, so again, um, layering is key. I think a lot of guys don't do that. And it's it, like like I said, all this new gear stuff. I mean, layering has kind of become a new thing, and having you know good quality layers and um, just the the quality of gear is just getting so much better. It's awesome. Um, we're kind of spoiled because we just have the ability to be super comfortable out there where, you know, guys used to just wear flannels and, uh, and whatever, and just be sweating and then cold and then, you know, wet. And we don't have to do that now. I mean, last year, this lot past duck season, having that Kuyu jacket and wearing breathable waders. And I mean, there's, there was one day, I hustled, me and me and a buddy hustled out to the spot at a refuge and he was sweating his butt off and I was not at all, man. I was, I was, I was warm, but I, everything I had on was breathable and I was layered right and I was, I was super comfortable and, um, and I, and I think I kind of convinced him that, you know, he, uh, he might want to invest in some, some, uh, Kuyu gear or something, but anyways, um, cover your face when you're duck hunting. If you're, you know, like I said, all the experienced guys know all this stuff for the most part. Um, but you know, I, you know, and I typically just wear a hat, you know, in a, in, a, in my hood. But when you're duck hunting, man, especially when the when the birds are weary, you can't you, you can't be looking up in the sky and having your bright white face glaring in the sun. Uh, I try to wear like a some kind of a face mask that just kind of goes over my head and covers the back of my neck and I'm bald. I shave my head. So my, my head's bright white. So yeah, like from the, you know, from the edge of my hat down is bright white. So, you know, I try to try to at least minimize some of that with the, 
I don't even know what it's called. A camo freaking head neck cover. Um, but obviously for calling, you know, you need your face open, you know, so you, you know, you, within reason, you know, you're going to, my face is usually open and I, you know, so I can call, but my neck and the sides of my face and, and stuff are, are covered when I actually use that thing. Um, calling. Um, if you're new into it and you go with somebody that's experienced, um, from what I've learned is, is, you know, just out of, um, out of courtesy, the rule of thumb, what I was taught, it was just to not call. I mean, practice on your own time in your truck and stuff like that. Um, but when you go with somebody new or when you go with somebody that's experienced caller, um, again, my, my, what I was taught, um, to be kind of polite was to just to not call if you're a guest don't call um unless you know your buddies says like hey you know help me out or let's let's check out your calling or whatever but um because it takes a while to learn how to call right um i'm i'm decent at it i've i have a long way to go i mean i i can call ducks in for sure i'm not you know i've been doing it for a little while now but um um there's always room for improvement but yeah practice 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 um i try to practice before the season and during the season in in my truck when i'm driving to and from work and stuff like that if i'm not listening to cool podcasts like this one but (laughs) yeah practice in your truck uh when you're driving what i like to do is actually record myself um with my phone or whatever record yourself calling and listen to it and see what you sound like because sometimes you don't sound like what you think you sound like. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, just practice as much as possible. You'll get better. Um, and the quality of calls definitely counts. You know, when you when, when you when you start, just get a double read, you know, you know, whatever call you can afford just to practice. But soon after you learn how to call decently, I mean, just just. Just start stepping it up. Get your call. Get you get a better call. This year, I this past year, I got a uh, a zinc nothing but green uh, mallard hen call, and I freaking love it. I love that thing, man. It doesn't it doesn't lock up nearly as much as um, other calls I've had in the past. It has like a Z channel. Uh, I don't know if that's what they call it, but it's there, there's this channel um, under the reed. It's a single reed call, and under that reed, um, it it kind of allows for you know, your saliva and any rain or moisture to travel in that channel without without getting stuck on that reed and making that reed stick. Um, and you'll know you'll notice as you as you practice that. Um, calls lock up and it's it, it gets irritating when you're trying to when you're actually calling birds in and your freaking call starts locking up and you, you have to try to clear it out and by then your the ducks are gone you know you can try to switch to a whistle or something but um you know nowadays they're they're making really nice calls um jj Lair's calls are awesome zinc makes you know like i said that nothing but green call i can't say enough about it it's it's smooth. I, you can get real quiet with it. Uh, it gets loud. I mean, it's like it's it's really uh, versatile. I've noticed, and I like it a lot. Um, don't leave your calls in your truck, though. If you if you if you go to if you're driving to work um, and it's hot. I mean, if it's a mild weather day, it's fine. But if it's a hot day, 
don't leave your calls in your truck because you know they expand and contract and um, um, it'll it'll ruin your calls. So especially if you have like a wood call or something like that, all that stuff expands and contracts and it, it ends up ruining your calls. So um, actually, this isn't duck hunting related at all, but I'll I'll just throw it out there. Don't leave your bow if you're into archery. Don't leave your bow in your hot garage or your hot truck. Um, that will that will ruin your string and you're gonna end up with some issues. I saw that happen this year, so cost you a little bit of money. So keep that keep keep your bow in a temperature controlled environment as much as possible. I mean, obviously when you go hunting and stuff. I mean, there's days when in July here we're hunting a zone or whatever and and it's 100 degrees so um obviously as much as you you can um what else um yeah i mean i think you know like i said a lot of the stuff it has to do with just being respect respectful to hunters around you um you know when it comes to training your dog when it comes to calling um again even if you're by yourself and you're a new caller um, just just think about that when you're calling you know there's people around you and you know you, you want to make sure you at least know you know keep it under control don't don't just blow away on a call over and over and over again and be um, it can be obnoxious if you're if you're learning and you know you, you could be potentially scaring other people's birds away next to you so you just want to kind of keep that in mind and just always try to be respectful of other hunters and um, do the, do your practicing um, in the off season or when you're not hunting. Try to do all your training and your practicing and your preparing before the season is here because you don't want to you don't want to go out duck hunting and then and then you know having not really practiced your duck call and start trying to call ducks in out there. It's it's not going to work for one. And you're going to irritate a lot of people around you for two. So um, I think that's pretty much it. Um, oh, shooting. <laughs> I The last couple of years, I, I haven't actually duck hunted much um, for multiple reasons. Uh, I lost my dog last year. We, were, we, we moved. We, we just bought a new house and had this one built. So we were... All my hunting stuff was in storage through a whole season. Um, there's a few different reasons why, but um, I, I just didn't hunt, hunt much. I didn't shoot much. Um, so when I went my first day out this past season, I actually hunted with a new uh, guy I hadn't I hadn't duck hunted with. I had only archery hunted with him, but we went duck hunting and dude, it was it was epic, dude. It was actually one of my one of my favorite days this past season um, at a refuge. Uh, the birds were working perfectly. We were calling great. I'd been practicing my calling, so we were calling um, good. His dog was doing really well. He limited. He limited out. I shot zero ducks, which is just not. This is sort of unheard of. I've. I, I've. I'm actually a decent shot, and I. I was embarrassed for one, <laughs> but I hadn't shot and I hadn't really shot much in a couple of years. My 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 shotgun, so my shot was just so off. I I, I mean it was horrible. It was embarrassing. Um, I don't think I've ever done that before. Um, I, I you know like I said I'm, I'm I'm a decent duck hunter and I mean when I go duck hunting I I mean I could 
pretty much guarantee I'm going to come home with something. I'm going to come home with a few ducks, usually at least. Um, but yeah, I was totally embarrassed. The birds were working perfectly, coming in nice and tight, feet down, wings cupped, and I was missing every, <laughs> I missed every shot, dude. And uh, what sucked about it too was uh, a big fat greenhead Drake Mallard came in perfectly. You know, we called it in perfect. It came in cupped up right in our face. I pull up, I whiff, and my buddy shoots it. His dog goes and gets it, and I see a band hanging out of its dog's mouth, and I'm like, great. <laughs> I just missed my chance at a band. for my. That would have been my first bird of the season. And, you know, I whiffed. I blew it because I didn't practice my shooting. So practice your shooting. Um, just kind of do what you can to prepare for waterfowl season. Um, you know, and in the meantime... I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I'm looking forward to archery season and uh, getting after some deer. But I'm, I'm, I'm also excited for this, this coming duck season. This the coming duck season, and um, I just love it, man. Um, I can't wait to get after it. And uh, like I said, this, this is a uh, not, you know, I, I don't claim to be an expert, so I don't want you guys to think that I'm out here, you know putting on tips and tactics and uh, like a seminar here because you know I'm just given knowledge that I know and things that I've learned and if you guys you know be interactive with it hit me up on Instagram and um, if you have any comments or things you want me to cover on an, on, on a future episode or something you want to correct me on please do it I, I, I'm you know I'm here to learn just as much as you know some other guys might be listening to learn some things from from guys that I interview or maybe myself but um, yeah um, feel free to be respectful about it, but reach out and tell me what I did wrong or tell me what I can fix or do better. I'd appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, see you on the next one. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to me on Instagram at mountain.vision or my personal Instagram page at blue collar harvester. Look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening.